That sounds like Annie to me. You're messing with me now. <laughs> That's different than what we just heard. We're actually really worried that you're severely depressed. I said, no, I'm just in grad school. Welcome to Hello PhD, a podcast for scientists and the people who love them. This week, we learn about how scientists are using social media to shine a light on mental health in grad school. Stay with us. And we're back. This is Hello PhD, episode 93. I'm Joshua Hall. And I'm Daniel Arneman. And we'll discuss the human side of science and life in the lab. Good evening, Dan. Hello, Josh. Hello, PhD. That's right. That's the name of the show. That's what we're doing. In case you in case you clicked on <laughs> that other podcast you wish you were listening to right now, what you got was Hello PhD. Yeah. And like usual, we have a beer in front of us. Yeah, I'm excited about this one. You served it to me in a wine glass and I feel very weird. Okay, so we're going in a different direction tonight. Dan, this is an 11% ABV beer. So... I heavy cut down. is what you're saying, yeah. It's a little heavy, so I gave you a little less volume of this beer. Appreciate that. And so what we're doing, this is a good one, Dan. This is the New Holland Brewing from Grand Rapids, Michigan. This is the Dragon's Milk Bourbon Barrel Aged Stout. Okay, so I, I figured out that it was a stout almost immediately by the rich, dark color. I am I have to admit, I'm a little bit disturbed by the name Dragon's Milk. <laughs> yeah, I harvested this one straight from the dragon. Dragons are reptiles, right? Uh, from the mammary glands of the dragon. It's a little known fact. Somebody will write in and tell me that lizards actually have some sort of way of producing milk, and I'll be really disturbed again. But uh, I don't think dragons give milk, do they? If you study dragons and you happen to know... Yeah, please write in immediately. What do you think of this one, Dan? I get a little sweetness. It's chocolatey. It is... I do get the bourbon out of it. You want to sip it, though. You want to go slowly. Yeah, I think what I like about this beer is you you would not drink this beer quickly. You shouldn't drink it quickly. Yeah, yeah. I, I just don't know how you, you wouldn't could. Want, yeah, you wouldn't want to. A lot of flavor. Um, really delicious. Uh, can people find this everywhere, Josh, do you think? Or is this a, a specialty? Um, I mean, I, I think this one's pretty much elsewhere. Uh, we have a good friend, Dan, who really enjoys stouts. And I've been to our local... We have a growler filling station near my house that has 40 or so beers on tap. And this is one I've seen there numerous times they'll so, fill a growler with this you better pretty, have a lot of friends to share it with it's pretty pricey a growler okay. of this stuff i mean you'll notice dan as you mentioned i just gave you a wine glass full this this 12 ounce bottle was uh, six bucks yeah you you need a group of friends to share that with <laughs> and uh maybe a chaser that's a little bit lighter if you if you're not into the stouts but it's it's good and i think we'll sip this throughout the show as we allude to at the end of the last episode dan uh we have some exciting new announcements for Hello, PhD in the podcast. News in the science. <laughs> Josh, we have some exciting news. As you know, we have lots of grad school listeners to the podcast, science trainees, postdocs, faculty members, and we have been able to support the show basically just on our very generous patrons and uh, what, what they're able to do for us. But we always knew there were other opportunities that we would like to expand to do more, get the word out a little bit more, maybe improve the swag for the etymology puzzle, things like that. And we actually got an offer recently from a biotech company that wanted to support the show. They produce reagents um, and, and products and training for 
scientific labs and they heard the show. They really loved what we were doing in terms of outreach to the scientific community. And they asked if they could uh, also sponsor us. And we talked it over. We talked with them and we're going to give it a try. Yeah. So beginning in our next episode, we will officially take on Promega as a sponsor of Hello PhD. And, and this is something we're pretty excited about because one thing that Dan and I have said from the very beginning is if we ever did go the route of taking on a sponsor for the show, we wanted it to be something that actually made sense and we thought would be useful to our listening audience. Um, that's why you haven't heard any ads for stamps.com <laughs> on the show. Yeah, we we buy stamps all the time, of course. I mean, when I buy my stamps. Uh, is that? Do you have any websites on Squarespace? Can you remember the last time you bought a stamp? from my drawer at home, <laughs> the one with all the paper clips in it. Exactly. So anyway, we're really excited about this, uh, this new partnership. We're going to give it a try. So starting on our next episode, we're excited to begin this new partnership. Yep, we'll be sharing some resources that they have available for scientists. And uh, we hope you like it. And please write to us. Let us know. Podcast at hellophd.com if you have any thoughts or ideas. All right, Dan, are you ready for some science in the news? Are you ready, Josh? Josh, this has very, very little to do with science, but it's in the news, and I know that you have not heard it yet and come to a judgment, but the most important topic on the internet this week is, what sound do you hear, Yanny or Laurel? You've, you've seen the buzz around this. You're on Twitter. So I've had a super busy couple of weeks, and this is one of those things that popped up on my Twitter feed. I mean, it's hard not to be on Twitter and, and not know about this. Um, but I will say I'm probably... You managed to abstain. I'm probably the last person in America, at least, that has not heard the sound at all. So okay. I have no opinion. I'm on so, neither side. Let me set this up. So okay. um, you remember in 2015, there was a, a dress that someone had taken a picture of and they said, I see a yellow and black dress and the other people said it was white and blue. And the whole internet argued about it because our perception of the dress is interpreted through our, our visual system and our brain adds a lot of extra context to it. So this is the auditory version of that. Someone posted a sound file on the internet that apparently people around them heard two different words or two different sounds from the same file playing over and over. Um, some people hear Yanny, some people hear Laurel, and I'm going to play it and we're going to see what you think it sounds like. All right, this is exciting. This is literally the first time I've heard this. So, okay. Okay, so this is so 100% Laurel. Like, there's no Yanny. That's crazy. Okay, so I hear Laurel too. So this is okay. not going to be as fun a conversation. You sure this is the same one that everybody's hearing? Yes, I, I played this at work. I was in a room with four or five other people. Two of them heard Yanny. No way. I was standing next to them. You're kidding. And they heard Yanny. And I heard Laurel and this is the debate because you could be in the same room with somebody else and you're hearing no, different see, sounds. I feel like I need to, I need to be with a, someone in person who hears what I just heard and tells me they heard Yanny. Play it through a different sound system. Play it through our headphones. Can you? Wait, you're totally shitting me. No, I hear Laurel. Laurel, Laurel, Laurel. That sounds like Yanny to me. You're messing with me now. <laughs> no, it's, that is totally Laurel. No, that's different than what we just heard. It's this. I'm playing the one. No, there's you're one not. in the New York Times. No, but you're not website. playing from the. Okay, so hang on. That's 100% Yanny. This is the New York Times website, and they have a slider here where I can 
drag the slider left and right to make it sound. Wait, that is 100% Yanny. There is no Yanny no, being played right now. That's 100% Yanny. Wait, wait, why is that different than what I just heard? Because, okay, so here's the science behind it. So you got to experience the thing. We were hearing totally different words. Okay, okay wait, wait. All right, I'm going to do this again. Hang on. I'm playing. I'm on the New York Times site. Yeah. The little slider is in the middle. Yes. I'm clicking play. I hear 100% Laurel. Okay. Okay. Now you can see you my it. you can see my screen. I'm okay. in the middle. Okay, this is coming from my computer speaker right in front of me. Okay. And now we're gonna play it out of my laptop speaker. You okay. ready for this? I'm ready. This is amazing radio, isn't it, okay. folks? Okay. Here it is. Okay, that's 100 percent Yanny. What I hear, are you doing? I, I'm still hearing Laurel. <laughs> no, it's a, I'm hearing no Yanny whatsoever. Oh, I don't understand what's happening right now. Okay. Would I you hear, like me to tell you what's happening? You have an answer to this? I do have an answer. To okay, this. tell me. Why am I hearing it differently? Tell, tell me what's going on here. Dan. Here's what's going on. Okay. So the sound that the person is speaking is the word Laurel. Vocabulary.com website for the word Laurel. That is the uh, computer pronouncing it or a person pronouncing it. I don't know which. But there are higher frequencies and there, there's a range of frequencies in that sound file. So depending on the speaker you're playing it out of, depending on your ability to discern high and low pitches and depending on your brain filling in all the gaps because it's a very low quality audio feed your brain maybe you saw the word laurel first and so you heard laurel if you saw the word yanny first maybe you would hear the word yanny but it's your brain trying to fill in the gaps so when we're playing it out of my laptop speaker something about the quality of that audio brings out those higher pitches for you and so you hear yanny i still hear laurel so apparently i'm totally deaf from listening to too many podcasts um, when you play it out of your speakers, which are probably a little better quality, you're hearing Laurel. The fun of it is to do it in a group. So try it in lab tomorrow. Write to us. Let us know the proportion of uh, people that heard Yanny or Laurel. And I'm having a feeling I'm probably the last person to try this in Certainly all you of are, America. Yep. Maybe the world. But you were you were literally uh, freaked out by it. So that was fun to watch. Thank uh, you, Josh. All right. Well, anyway, uh, thanks for sharing that, Dan. And up to our topic. <laughs> okay. We have no segue, um, but... We are now going to transition to our topic. All right, Dan. So uh, we have a, a really important topic today. We are going to talk about mental health during training, uh, during grad school. And this is something that I think we've known about and been cognizant of for quite some time, as I think a lot of trainees have but a little bit of a light has been shown on this recently. A Nature Biotechnology article came out, and they reported that PhD and master's students worldwide reported rates of depression and anxiety that are six times higher than those in the general public. And, and this report was based on the response of over 2,000 students in 26 countries. And they also found that more than 40% of respondents had anxiety scores in the moderate to severe range, and also nearly 40% showed signs of moderate to severe depression among the uh, graduate student population. So, so that's, I mean, those are huge numbers. Yeah, it's pretty astonishing. And I don't think surprise is the word I would use because that was a lot of my experience in grad school. But to know that 40% of respondents, to know that it's six times higher than those in the general public, uh, this is not a fringe case. This is not the tale of the distribution. This is a lot of people. There's a lot of people, and and I think one of the things you said, Dan, is absolutely true. The the fact you said you weren't surprised, 
to hear yeah, this. Yeah, why wasn't I surprised, Josh? Because I was depressed yeah, yeah, throughout me, most of grad school and anxious about it. Me yeah. too. And I think, you know, people outside of the the academic science training world might see this and be surprised. However, yeah, I think that's sort of the unfortunate thing is most of us who have been through the process or are in the process now hear those numbers and think, yeah, I can see that. Sounds about right, yeah. Uh, but I think the fact that we all have gone through it or are going through it and the fact we've normalized these astonishingly high rates um, of mental health issues, that's really a problem if we take a step back. Yeah, the trouble is I hear that and I think, yeah, it sounds about right that we accept the fact that this many people are struggling with uh, anxiety and depression in grad school and not taking the time to examine, well, where did this come from? Is this, uh, is does science attracting people who are just naturally anxious and depressed or is it something that happens while they're there? Are there things we could do to make it better even if uh, maybe we have a natural tendency to it as scientists. I don't know the answers to all those things, but it seems like we should at least be thinking about it. Yeah, well, well, that's where that's where Susanna Harris comes in. So we, we spoke with her, and she's a grad student at UNC Chapel Hill. And what she's doing is she's using social media to shine a spotlight on depression and anxiety among science trainees. And the way she's specifically doing this is is using Instagram and, and more recently Twitter through an account called PH Depression, and that's at PH underscore D underscore oppression. And, and, and we'll let her talk a little bit about this, but, but essentially it's a way that, that grad students and other trainees can be open and transparent about sharing their mental health struggles that maybe can provide some, some support and some community for others who are going through this. So, so, so let's hear what, what Susanna had to say about this. My name is Susanna Harris, and I am a fourth-year microbiology student at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. And I work in Elizabeth Shanks' lab studying how bacteria stick to plant roots. So the reason you're here is mm-hmm. you have started this, I guess I would call it an online presence or community centered around social media mm-hmm. uh, account called PH Depression. Yeah, well, PH underscore D underscore Epression. The nice thing is that if you search PH Depression in Instagram, you can still find us. That's how I found it. it was yeah. PH Depression and it went right to yeah, it. Yeah, there's some, there's some weird tricks to, uh, to naming it. Cool. So tell me a little bit about why you started this and what the idea is behind PH Depression. Right. So I, I started this um, kind of out of a, a multitude of different events happening all at once. And the, the purpose of pH depression overall is to increase visibility of, of students who are struggling with mental health issues in grad school, and as well as uh, people who have already graduated with their PhD and are going on and trying to navigate that world with having a PhD, but also having this kind of stigma against something that they might be dealing with internally. And the reason that we started this page was that I had a really interesting experience where um, there's this popular science communicator on Instagram, which is one of my favorite social media platforms right now. Uh, her name is Samantha Yamin, and she goes by Science Sam. And was she was targeted by an article suggesting that social media and outreach via so- social media is kind of a waste of time. And what I was really inspired by was her honesty and vulnerability in being hurt by this, and then the community on Instagram rising up to her defense. And at the same, right around the same time, that Nature Biotech article came out saying probably around 40% of students are 
currently classified as experiencing symptoms of moderate to severe depression or anxiety. And I sort of looked at those two things and said, if there's so many of us out there and we can form these communities online, could we have an online social media community for people who are struggling who might not be able to be visible otherwise? I, I'm, pretty, I'm a pretty open book in person, and when people have asked me about my struggles with grad school, I, I'll be honest, but it's never been something I've thought about really making public online. But when I've seen other people be public about their struggles, it's been really inspiring. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, you know, that the Nature Biotech article, when that came out, I thought, there has to be other people who are struggling with this. Why is no one talking? And I kind of had to look at myself and ask, like, well, why am I not talking? I've, I've dealt with this, and I come from a huge background of privilege. Um, you know, I'm a, a cis white woman who comes from upper-middle-class family who's very open and supportive. University of North Carolina is great for this, this sort of thing. It's one of the few, I think, institutions in the country really actively trying to fight mental health stigma and still I had a really really hard time and it was only because of my network that I got through and so kind of wanted to to pay some of that back and see if other people out there would be willing to to speak up as well yeah I mean I think you answered some of what my one of my main first questions was and that was what led you to specifically tackle this issue through well, I guess, I guess first what made you decide to tackle this issue directly, the connection potentially between science and, and mental health and trying to shine a spotlight on what a lot of, of trainees are facing, but a lot of scientists in general are facing. So the, the reason that, I guess there's, there's the uh, empirical reason that that Nature Biotech paper came out and it cited a whole bunch of other papers saying that students are between, you know, one in three students are struggling or one in two students are struggling, it's, it's this huge, um, you know, you're six times more likely to experience periods of anxiety and depression if you're a grad student compared to the general population. So there's all these numbers, but really what struck me is that I saw those numbers and I believed them because I know people who've struggled and I, I really struggled myself. But then I was in this, uh, this workshop and there was about a hundred of us there. And I looked around and thought, you know, would I believe that 40 of the people in here are in the same boat as I am? It's like, absolutely not. There's me, there's, you know, the quiet person in the corner, and, and maybe somebody else had a bad week last week. But I think there's a difference between big, scary numbers and actually seeing the faces of people and understanding that there is no face of mental illness. You can't find it. Yeah, and I think that's, I think that's really important because mental illness is a, a silent, internal internal thing. And I think you know, society-wide, we have this vision in our minds of what depression looks like. Like mm-hmm. it's some obvious person mm-hmm. walking around with their head in their hand, or they're <laughs> sitting there with their head in their hands, and they're uh, in the corner quietly. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's something that I've certainly dealt with and struggled with. And a lot of times, in public, people suffering with anxiety and depression can become very adept at hiding it from the people around them day to day. Um, yeah, which is even more isolating as the person. Absolutely. From it. Well, I mean, if if the first uh, if the first step to getting help is recognizing that there's a problem, you know, I get a lot of people saying, and actually, this is 
to give a little bit of my personal history, uh, about two years ago, I had a couple of life events happen and, and basically my perfectly type A planned life was thrown into chaos in, in my mind. And I couldn't sleep anymore. It was really bothering me. And I went in um, to the CAPS program here and I had said, I, look, I'm not sleeping. I need sleep medication. And they said, that's fine, but we're actually really worried that you're severely depressed. And I said, I said to them, no, I'm just in grad school. That was... <laughs> literally what I said, and, and I keep, I get that from a lot of people. That, they say, oh, you're in grad school. Oh, okay. Oh, no, of course oh, not. Yeah. They were like, um, we understand grad school can be hard, but you shouldn't have to feel this way. You shouldn't have to feel so hopeless about everything. And that's really what I was, was feeling was this kind of general, like, ennui about the entire world and everything I was going to do was going to be pointless. And... I, I kind of pushed back against that, but I'm glad that I eventually listened to my support network and, and started, you know, I, took, I take medication and I see a therapist and my life is a lot better when I have hope. It doesn't really make, it doesn't make the science that easy. It's not like this is some magical trick that I'm walking on water all of a sudden, but it can be a lot easier, especially when you're not trying to silently fight something. Mm-hmm. So you... You know, you came to this realization through actually going to see someone that, mm-hmm. okay, maybe this is mm-hmm. depression. It's not just um, grad school. I'm going through a stressful thing right now. So you sought out treatment mm-hmm. and medication. Mm-hmm. Did you notice a difference? Was there Ooh, um, before, before and after that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I've seen a, a therapist in the past, a long time ago, for anxiety uh, and just kind of general life upkeep. Uh, but... I was a little bit um, recalcitrant against taking medication. I kind of saw it as a weakness. And the other downside to medication is a lot of times it takes about a month to really see the effects. But I ended up, I, I kind of felt like I had nothing else to lose. Whatever, I'll, I'll try this. So I tried it, and it was it was slow. Um, but definitely once everything had kicked in, once I had settled in a little bit, it, it is really helpful. And um, I know that it's helpful because if I go on a vacation and forget to take it or something like that, I do notice a difference. And again, it's not, even when I say that, I have this kind of image in my head of happy, smiling girl doing science and enjoying life to like curled up in a corner on the couch, which is not totally inaccurate sometimes, but it's more of, you know, when I'm walking down the street and I think of something that I forgot at home, is it like, oh shoot, or is it, I'm a terrible person and how did I get out of bed today? Yeah, I have a, a good friend that that described it to me this way, and I think this has been really accurate for me as well. But it's almost like with anxiety and depression, you've got sort of this certain feeling of weight of all of the, the stressful mm-hmm. things you're dealing with in life. Mm-hmm. And, and getting treatment for the depression and anxiety just kind of lifts that weight yes. up just a little bit so it's a little less heavy. It doesn't change your external circumstances at all but the weight of it all on you is just a little less crushing. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, you know, one of the questions that's been brought up is, well, grad school is hard. There's hard things in life. Is it just a bad time or is it mental illness? And, you know, that's a continuum. That's something that your medical professional can can decide with you. But I love love analogies. I love kind of these ideas of of the weightedness. Um, I usually think about it as... Uh, I have, we all have our own little boat and we're out to sea and we don't really know where we're going and that's, that's life. Um, and sometimes big waves come crashing over and you have to spend some time dumping all that water out of your boat to stay afloat. Uh, and if you have a mental illness, 
you're constantly bailing out a little water, there's there's holes in the bottom of your boat. And so these big waves can take longer um, and can make it much harder than someone who might not have the mental illness. And really by by being visible by getting treatment you're you're just kind of getting a bigger bucket maybe some people can can fill those holes maybe for some people treatment means that they're going to find a cure for others like for me i've i've accepted and i've i embraced the fact that my mental and emotional state is a little bit more fragile uh, and so i have to take care of it tell, tell me a little bit about just explain that for for people. Like, what what is pH depression? Right. So, pH depression was started on Instagram, which is a social media page that basically is uh, you see a picture and then there's a caption below it. And, um, and this is a picture of a person. Yes. Yeah, so in our in our case, a lot of a lot of the stuff you find on Instagram is um, a really pretty cappuccino. But for us, what you're going to see if you go to our page is kind of a wall of profile pictures of people and and. We're, we're trying our best to get a, a wide swath of different people to speak with us. But you see these pictures and you click on one and picture is happy and smiling. And then below in the comment section, the caption is a, a personal story or tribute from that person in the picture. So three times a week, we post these personal profiles. And these are uh, aspiring PhDs, whether or not they've started or have already been partly through their PhD program, uh, or people who have who have graduated with their PhDs, and all of them, in in their personal stories, kind of discuss what struggles they've had with mental health. Uh, we also have some some allies and some mental health professionals who are on there as well. So, what types of things are people sharing in there? So, these are profiles written mm-hmm. by the people mm-hmm. who are who are pictured. Right. So, uh, what we do is that. Basically, someone will send us a message on Instagram, or now we have Twitter and um, Facebook as well. They will send us a message through through one of these things saying, I have something to say. And we can send them um, a prompt list that will help them kind of figure out what kind of message they want to say, or they have full license to say whatever is true for them. So uh, Mona, who is also a graduate student here in chemistry, she and she's the one who runs our Twitter account, does just an amazing job of that. So Mona is also a writer, and she wrote a poem, because that's what was true to her. That's her story and how she interpreted her struggles with mental health. Um, majority of people, though, will write a piece that has to be fewer than 2,000 characters and generally says what they've struggled with for how long and kind of how they got through the hard times. What things have you experienced that have been that have been really positive once you've started this? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's been immensely personally fulfilling. I will absolutely tell you that. It's, it's been amazing. I get, I get messages all the time from people who either say, I'm not ready to share my story, but this, this was really helpful to me today. Um, people are communicating with each other in the comment sections. We've had people say, I didn't realize that this was a problem. I now feel more comfortable asking for help with it, which is exactly the purpose. Uh, and there's, there is some... Um, there is some data to back up this being useful other than just an exercise in posting people's pictures. There's uh, an approach called dialectical behavioral therapy. So basically what the idea of that is, it's a type of therapy where people just talk about it. Uh, if, if it's difficult, just start talking. And so the people who are reading these posts are, are getting something, hopefully they're feeling like they, they can identify with the, the storyteller. 
But the storyteller themselves oftentimes uh, comes back to us and says, you know, they're really appreciative to have this platform because, like you said, it is this weight that is kind of invisible and people are carrying it around. And it's it's really nice to be able to set that down a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's why I was wondering if, you, if you've gotten a lot of feedback from, mm-hmm. from the posts and, you know, the comments are so... Mm-hmm so great and uplifting amazing and it's got to be so empowering to to share something a personal struggle that that you are in the process of going through or that you have gone through and to see other people connect with what you're saying and to or draw strength from your your struggle i think that's so important well i mean i i've kind of used it myself not even just as as the curator but there was a time i think three weeks into the project where i was just you know having a bad couple days and looked at it and was like, is this the stupidest thing that anyone has ever done? Like, is this so dumb? And then I read, I read the stories and I read the comments and they're just, these people are amazing. You know, I, I have not met a, well, a couple of them now I've met in person because I knew them beforehand. And those stories were kind of difficult to read. Uh, We do a little bit of editing if people ask for it. And even though I thought that everyone could see my mental health struggles, People have come to me and said I had no idea. When these other people who I know have come to me with their stories, I've been shocked. But you know, people are really putting a lot of trust into into this project. They're being really vulnerable, and I've been amazed. You know, I I haven't really had to moderate at all. People are really supportive, and it's a it's a big issue um, that even if someone's not ready to speak out, a lot of times they're really thankful. Mm-hmm. How have you gotten the word out about this? I know a lot of times starting something new, one of the big challenges is just connecting with the people who you know, really would benefit or who would want to share. So uh, I, although I assume that's one of the reasons that we're doing this right now is to hopefully get the word out. But um, I think of social media as sort of polite screaming. <laughs> so I, uh, I've definitely sent some awkward emails and... I've, I've extended myself from this for this project way more than I could have advocated for myself individually. Uh, some of it has been sending, you know, there's, there's a bunch of resources online about how to best use Instagram, and we try to use the algorithms to reach as many people as we can. And if, there's, if there is a, an, a socioeconomic or, or racial background that we aren't representing is enough, you know, I'll try to find people that are speaking out about these things because... One thing that came out in that Nature Biotech paper was that it predominantly, it's a pretty even spread between men and women, women being a little bit more likely than men to suffer from the anxiety or depression symptoms, Uh, but trans people are super high. And there's been previous articles that have shown that people of color and, and other minorities just, you know, it's just so compounded. So we want to make sure that this reaches a large enough audience and reaches the audience that, that needs it the most. And most of that has been pretty close to begging people to, to talk about us, but it's, you know, it goes in leaps and bounds. We'll reach somebody and they'll say, I would love to, to share your page. Yeah. So along those lines, uh, so our listening audience is predominantly science trainees would mm-hmm. be <laughs> probably the, the majority of, of the people who listen to Hello PhD. So, here you are talking directly to them. Yeah. So, so what would you want to oh, man. say to people? Yeah. So, listener, what do you um, want from them? <laughs> what do I want from them? Oh my goodness, mobilize. Um, no, actually, it's it's pretty cool to have this opportunity. Thank you. I should start with that. First of all, thank you for the opportunity to to talk to Hello PhD because 
I started listening to you guys when you had just started and, and actually PhD, like PhD work and podcasts for me go hand in hand. A lot of times when I need to work at the bench, but I have this kind of paralyzing fear that I'm going to do everything wrong. Um, I tell myself I can't listen to any podcasts until I'm at the bench. And so I only listen to podcasts when I'm at the bench. So podcasts, really important. And the people listening to them can be really important as well. So we have, we have helped people help many grad students get through mindless, uh, (laughs) lab protocols. Those QPCRs. (laughs) I know. Yeah. So yeah, if I could speak directly to the audience, um, if, if you're listening and you've been affected by this or, you know, if it's 40% of people, you, you know, somebody who's been affected by this, share our page, you know, share it in person or, or mention it or, um, you know, it's a tiny little tag. It's an at sign with a PH underscore D underscore depression. If you just look up PH depression as one word in Instagram, you'll find it. We're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook. But, you know, the, the page is for sufferers, strugglers, but also allies. This is not an admission of, of having anything. Um, but, you know, you might, you might know that one lab mate that didn't really show up to work for a week. And when they did, they kind of just like stared out the window or, or, you know, you might have a lab mate that you have no idea. If anything, we, right now, we're looking for visibility. Uh, We're looking for people to connect and and to support people. And this project is about decreasing stigma and increasing conversation. So if if you know anyone who might benefit, and especially if you know anyone who has been vocal about um, their own struggles, we are always looking for more stories. Yeah, and and one thing that I know that we we had talked about previous to, to recording is I think there can be this issue, and we see it too with with the podcast. Is you know people will listen, or people will see you know your Instagram account, and they'll see all these great photos and stories, and they'll think, well, you know, I have a story to tell, I have some things to say, but I'm sure they get so many. I'm sure they get so many stories. They're inundated with stories, and you know it almost goes hand in hand. They'll say, well, my story is not good enough, so I'm not going to reach out. I'm not going to share. So what, what would you say to that? Oh, yeah. So that is, that's absolutely something we get a lot um, of people saying, well, don't you have kind of a backlog of stories? And we live story to story. Um, I was really excited this week because by Wednesday morning, we had the Wednesday and the Friday storytellers. That was a big deal. So we are constantly looking for stories. Even if you, even if you look through the page and you say, oh, it's pretty much been covered. I have mild anxiety and it's nothing compared to that guy's. I've, I've heard that as well. Um, all levels are really important. And especially if you look at that and you say, I don't think my story is important. I hope you know that that means that tons of other people are looking at the page and thinking the same thing. So if you have any doubt, that's definitely the time to reach out to us um, because we want to we want to represent you it's it's a cool community people are really really supportive of each other we'll work with you if you are terrified of the actual writing it can be incredibly difficult Uh, we can edit we can also we're super happy to have you know it just has to have a picture with you in it um, and it has to have fewer than 2,000 characters if that is a line that says my name is Susanna, and I suffer from clinical depression, and I am still a scientist. And it has a picture of me. That is great. We will post the heck out of that, and we will, you will get support. Um, because, yeah, that, I think even that really deserves support. So what types of things do you have, have coming up? What's, what's on the horizon for this project right, so or the, for you? The, uh, the PH Depression Instagram page quickly launched into Twitter so we could kind of reach a bigger academic audience. It's kind of hard to spread on Instagram. And so one of the things that we're doing to try to get 
a little bit more exposure there is that we're going to be hosting a Sci Party, and that's the Twitter handle uh, at SCI Party. What that is is that we will be handed the Twitter handle, I think, on May 26 or something like that. But on June 1st, we will have an hour-long AMA where we will be, I'm saying we, myself, Susanna Harris, and the other graduate student, Mona, will be live tweeting about how, um, you know, how can we use social media to support grad student mental health? And, and more than that, kind of this idea of what is a waste of time? Is social media a waste of time? I think essentially no, if you're doing it for the right things. Um, is mental health, is self-care a waste of time? Uh, I, again, think no, but I think that's something that needs to be really challenged in the academic culture, um, is this idea of, of small incremental investments in people's mental health the same way as it would be for their, their physical health. You don't have to wait for a breakdown to take care of yourself. So that side party will be um, on noon, at noon on uh, Eastern Standard Time, on June 1st and but you know we're we're always active feel free to to try to catch up with us so I guess the the last thing that I wanted to ask uh, what, what advice would you give someone maybe who's listening right now who they're going through their PhD training or their their postdoc or or mm. wherever and you know they're suffering with with anxiety depression maybe nobody knows maybe they haven't really talked to anybody about it but they're hearing you and they're hearing you talk about these things what advice would you give somebody who's Who's, who's dealing with, with this right now? I, I think I would first say, you know, you're absolutely not alone. The, you're likely actually surrounded by people who have similar experiences and would really understand. But even if not, there's huge communities outside of, of where you are if you feel isolated. So one, you're not alone. Two, it doesn't have to be this hard. There's no shame in using the best tools that are available to you. Find, <laughs> it's uh, kind of like the advice of you get on airplanes of you know put on your own mask before helping others you have to take care of yourself otherwise you can't be useful to those around you so get the help or get the support that that you need and um, I was again I was really lucky to have that really easily accessible if you're not sure where that exists uh, I would recommend contacting basically a, a trusted adult. You can always contact somebody uh, outside of your lab or outside of your department even. Counseling is almost always anonymous and you can find out about that online. Uh, if you're at a university, you can usually go to the campus health and they will have something. But my, my, biggest, my biggest thing there is you're not alone and just reach out because it can be so much better. Mm -hmm. The last thing is that you know we've gotten a lot of a lot of pub, uh, kind of positive I don't know feelies about this. Everybody's everybody's supporting and um, the PH depression page I think is a project to increase visibility, and I'm really hoping that you know we're starting to work with some people in the the higher up positions where we can maybe move on to having a movement about increasing the conversation and maintaining mental health for PhDs and things like that at an institutional or even a national level. So this is where we're starting, but the conversation is happening and anybody who wants to get on board, we are, we are thrilled to take your help and we are also thrilled to champion you. If you've got an idea and it relates to supporting student mental health, let us know. We want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Thank you, Susanna. Thank you. All right, Dan, that was uh, our interview with, with Susanna. Wow. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited that 
there's a venue now to go talk about this rather than me just complaining to you, Josh. Well, I mean, we said it before, Dan, but you know, some of our own experiences and those of, of friends and colleagues, when we were going through the process was a really important factor in us starting this show is providing a venue um, to talk about some of these things that were, that a lot of us went through and are going through. And, and one of the things that really stood out to me the most that, that Susanna said was when she went to the, you know, the student health and she described some of her symptoms and some of the things she was going through. Uh, they said, well, we, we think you're depressed. And she said, I'm not depressed. I'm in grad school. These two things mean the same. <laughs> these are synonyms. Oh, I know. And, and I, but so identify with that. Yeah, I do too. I remember um, looking back, I, I don't think I knew this at the time, but looking back, I had to certainly be on the clinical spectrum of depression. I was, um, I was not just bummed out and sad and uh, upset about where I was in my program and in my career, but I also assumed that it would never get better. I also lost interest in all the things that I used to think were fun. And and honestly, at that time, I don't think I recognized myself. I always thought of myself as a pretty happy-go-lucky person. Now, you may describe my personality a little differently, Josh, but I never felt the burden the way that I felt it then. Um, so there was something about that that process, that experience that was hard for me, whether I have depression in my in my genes somewhere um, it felt to me really like it was, it was very situational at that time. And I wish, I wish I had gotten help then. And I didn't because I thought I, I, at the time I didn't realize, I didn't realize how bad it was. Yeah, yeah I totally agree, Dan. I've only, only knew you in grad school. So, um, you know, sometimes it'd be great as scientists, if we could do the experiment because it's something we both struggled with. If we could rewind time and we took a different career path, would we have struggled mentally the same way we did in graduate school? Um, part of me wants to think we would, but who knows? Yeah, there are probably situations that would elicit the same response. But but certainly if you have a propensity for anxiety or depression or a history of it, grad school is not going to make it better. There, there's almost no chance that graduate training is going to make those symptoms and those feelings better for you. And so uh, if you're listening and that, that kind of does describe your history, then all the more reason to go reach out for those uh, mental health resources right away. Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of the things that I alluded to in, in my conversation with Susanna, but you know, grad school and mental health goes hand in hand for me because it was really uh, during my training that I first uh, recognized mental health issues I was struggling with and got treatment. And maybe that's something I'll talk a little bit more on a future show, but um, you know, if anything, I hope that, uh, you know, hearing Susanna talk about, um, her own experiences and what she's doing will provide at least some support through for students, seeing that a lot of other people are, are dealing with some of the same things, that you're not alone or isolated. Um, or maybe it'll encourage folks to actually go out, um, seek support, get treatment if that's what they need, because it really can make a difference. The, the thing that I'm still stuck on a little bit, though, is even, even Susanna said, there's no shame in reaching out. There's no shame in getting help. And at what point do we decide that taking care of your health was shameful? Do you know what I'm saying? Like when, when you have a friend, like you're a person that likes to go to the gym, Josh, or run. I don't think that's so shameful that Josh feels the need to exercise. Well, I don't need to do that. Exactly. Right. <laughs> Who feels that way? Yeah. Who feels, you know, oh, you go to the doctor and, and take medicine to get better from, from being sick. Oh, you have diabetes and you take your insulin. How shameful that is. Like yeah, nobody thinks yeah, that. Yeah. Mental health, I think, is singularly the one affliction 
that we feel that way about. And, and it's brain chemicals. It's I don't want to think that way. That's not yeah. how I want to feel. Yeah. And, you know, I really identified with, um, with what she said about, you know, being very resistant to, to taking medication to help with this. I was exactly the same way. It resisted a long time. And it makes me wonder how many people out there now, you know, are dealing with this that don't want to get treatment because they feel it's shameful or they shouldn't have to. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you, Dan. I don't think there's, there's any other afflictions we deal with that are exactly that way. Yeah, well, let's change that. Um, everybody listening, if, if you have a, a friend that is getting mental health assistance, if they are going to see a psychologist or psychiatrist, if they're getting some medicine for it and you find out about it, congratulate them on on taking the step to take care of themselves. If you're the person that's getting that help, feel good about it because I, I think we need to be the people that change the way we respond, the way we react when people get help for their body and their mind. Yeah, and I want to say too, I mean, I mean, certainly it's great to speak up and share your story on, on social media. And one of the things Susanna talked about was how supportive people are in the comments thread. And and people saying kind things in comments threads on the internet is not something that always happens. Does that even happen? Yeah, I guess it does here. But I, I would want to encourage people too to maybe speak up in real life, in your own communities, um, in your own professional circles within your grad school community or your postdoc community. Because if these numbers are true, and we could certainly believe they are, that 40% of your colleagues are going through these things, by speaking up, it is almost a certainty you are not going to be alone, but may actually discover a community of other people who can support you who are going through the same thing. We encourage you to check out uh, PH Depression on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, again, that's at PH underscore D underscore oppression. Uh, you could probably find it by just searching for PH Depression and join join the conversation. Um, and as she mentioned too, you know, it's it's interesting how imposter syndrome rears its head in lots of ways. A lot of people can see those stories and see those posts and think, well, I'm dealing with that, but I'm not. You know, my own experience isn't worthy to be shared um, in this venue. But that's absolutely not true. Um, she shared with me multiple times on and off uh, mic that they really are looking for for stories and people to share their experiences. So uh, please, if you want to share yours, reach out uh, to Susanna um, through PH Depression. Very good, Josh. Are you ready for this week's etymology puzzle? I'm ready, Dan. Hit me with it. The clue last week was, this noble gas remained hidden until a Scottish chemist evaporated nearly all the components of liquid air in 1898. You, you, you know your noble gases. That narrows it down quite a bit. I'm trying to think. The noble gases. Which which column were those in? It's on the far right-hand side, I believe. Uh, is that like uh, fluoride? I don't think so. Neon. Oh, neon is a noble gas. That is not the answer. Ooh, xenon. <laughs> also a noble gas, not the answer. All right, those are the only two I know, I think. Okay, fair enough. The answer was Krypton. Oh, crap. That's the one Superman can't deal with. <laughs> That's right, Kryptonite. Yeah, right. He was from the planet Krypton, wasn't he? Here's what Krypton means. There was a little hidden meaning there. It's from the Greek Kryptos, which means the hidden one. So uh, in 1894, this Scottish chemist named Sir William Ramsey attended a lecture given by Lord Rayleigh and Rayleigh had noticed there was this discrepancy between the density of nitrogen he was making by chemical synthesis and the nitrogen he isolated from air when he removed all the other known components of air. So there's this difference between when he synthesized it and what he could extract from actual air. And so they had a conversation about it, and Ramsey uh, basically went back and started to do this process where he would evaporate the components of liquid air and 
the first thing he discovered was argon in that, that evaporation. But in following years, he also discovered neon, krypton, and xenon, and finally helium. Uh, oh, actually, finally radon. So he found all of them, basically. And, and those are the answers I got this week. Everybody gave a different noble gas, uh, and eventually a few people got to the right answer, krypton, uh, hidden in the clue with the word hidden. So our winner this week is Christian. All right. Congrats, Christian. University of Connecticut. Department of Chemistry, of course. Of course. We send in Christian an Amazon gift card, and I will give you the next clue. Take an umbrella. That heap of clouds means the thunderstorm is headed this way. One more time. Take an umbrella. That heap of clouds means the thunderstorm is headed this way. Remember, we're looking for a scientific word described by the clue. Once you get it, you'll find that the literal meaning of that science word is a phrase in the clue itself. If you think you know the answer, email it to puzzle at hellophd.com. We'll randomly select a winner from all the correct responses and send the lucky puzzler an Amazon gift card. All right, Dan, thanks for that. Um, if you have a question or topic idea, we'd love to hear it. You can email us at podcast at hellophd.com, send us a tweet at hellophd, or leave us a message on the Facebook page. If you like the show, we love the feedback, so leave us a review on iTunes. If you'd like to support the show, you can become a patron. Simply go to our website, hellophd.com, and click on the Become a Patron button or visit patreon.com slash hellophd, and we will give you an invite to our special patron-only Slack channel. All right, Dan, as usual, it's been great. I am finishing the last of my dragon's milk. Looks like you finished yours over there. So good. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I will share a beer with you anytime, Josh. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate that. Um, even if we don't have microphones in front of us. So true. So true. Uh, you're going to get a team a team Yanni, Yanni t-shirt? Well, you know, I really, I would, but I'm I'm split. I'm going to have a house divided shirt. Okay. It's like got a line down the middle and it's Laurel on one side and Yanni. Can't make up your mind. Yanni. Yanni, not Yanni. All right, Dan. See you next time. See you then. <laughs>